Welcome back to the Complete Inbox Podcast. My name is Rich. Alongside me is Mr. Phil Ernst. Phil, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm actually doing better. Uh, I was a little holed up this weekend from being sick, but yeah. I've got my voice back and my brain back, so I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> good. Oh, so, boy, all right, yeah, I was wondering what you might have had then. I knew the flu has been awful. It's yeah. It, my students though are the ones that bring all that bad uh, uh, badness into uh, my world, and <laughs> I have to try and fend it off the best I can. And I tell them, I tell them all the time, don't come in if you're sick. Stay away. They never right. listen. They like their jobs too much, I guess, or they're afraid <laughs> I'm going to fire them because they're sick, which is ridiculous. But this is the world we live in. It is. So uh, anything new happening in your world? Anything that you want to chat about before we get officially started? No, I don't think so. Um, actually, I would say it's it's been a slow week on video games, actually. I had to hang out with some family this weekend. So, uh, yeah, I need to uh, get back into it. I haven't really gotten anything done. Yeah, well, uh, I hit the jackpot this weekend. Ooh. All yeah, right. I got the uh, Raspberry Pi. Ah, it, there uh, you go. Yeah, it came in the mail on Monday, surprisingly. I didn't think it was because of uh, President's Day, but it came. I hooked it up. It works. I got a little retro pie on there. Uh, I haven't gotten to dig into it too deeply uh, because I've been busy, but uh, I know the MAME emulator works. I know my Nintendo and Super Nintendo emulator is working on there, so I'm pretty excited to get going. Uh, the only game so far I played on the MAME is Track and Field, obviously, because that's the Excellent. best arcade game yeah. of all time. <laughs> that's the, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still the same way. <laughs> and uh, also, I uh, bought a ticket to Comic-Con in, in Indianapolis, which is going on the uh, last weekend in March. Oh, that's awesome, so dude. I'll be doing Comic-Con Indy. You should come join me. You should come visit uh, me and Terre Haute. There you go. Uh, I need to we'll at some to point. Indy Comic-Con. Uh, yeah, I, I need to get over there to visit for sure at some point. I don't know, and this is by no means am I trying to equate the city that I live in to beautiful like destination that is Terre Haute, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, I went to the Des Moines Comic-Con. You went to the Des Moines Comic-Con. It yes. was really not great i mean a letdown for real it was a letdown a for real I letdown. Think maybe i had my that's a problem though is um i think the standard is like ooh, look at these photos on reddit well yeah guess what man they're from either pax whatever or they're from the san diego comic-con meanwhile yeah. everywhere else in like you know butte montana's comic-con is not really having it but uh that's to be expected so, yeah, you'll have to tell me how this Comic-Con goes. If it really blows your mind, if you're just thinking, wow, look what the world brought to Terre Haute, then uh, you're absolutely right. I would have to arrange a trip to join you in that endeavor. Well, if you came, we'd go to Indianapolis, which is an ama- actually a pretty amazing city. I love yeah, Indianapolis. No, actually, it's a really I think, cool city. I feel like that's a probably a Comic-Con that photos would make it to the front page, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm actually going to go and I think a couple students, I'm going to meet a couple students up there. Uh, I've got a couple nerds who are super nerds oh, and yeah. uh, they'd be really cool to like hang out with in this, in this case. So right. we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll take them out to lunch uh, when they're done looking at cosplayers. Uh, so we'll see. We'll <laughs> After see they worked up an appetite, of course. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to go to that and I'm hoping to actually attend some panels this time. I know we went, we actually didn't get to go any panels. True. Well, no, uh, we, but, we had, the opportunity to go to panels as it turned out yeah. none of them were good at all so we no. we forewented on our own 
of our own petard. But we got to see uh, Stan Lee alive. That's uh, true. But we did not pay the $195 uh, <laughs> to get his autograph. It, to Which, see Stan I guess Lee we didn't know what to expect. Is our first Comic-Con. Yeah, to see Stan Lee, it will cost you exactly one student loan payment. Yeah, at least it's yeah. Stan Lee is in fact Rumpelstiltskin. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. So let's go ahead and get started. Completing box podcast. Uh, we, we're hopefully we're hoping to uh, include a bunch of different uh, game news and stuff like that today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some this day in gaming history, little uh, some anniversaries. Uh, the Big Twenty, which is coming up uh, in March uh, March third. Uh, I think we're going to talk a little about some video game box art, and I think Phil is going to issue us uh, a challenge a little later on in the episode. But uh, let's go ahead and let's get it, uh, into some anniversaries, some gaming anniversaries, which I happen to stumble. Uh, upon in my research for this week's episode uh february 21st so just yesterday star fox in 1993 released by nintendo were you a star fox man phil i was i definitely was i remember um i mean here's the thing i would say that is really kind of tragic i think the games that blew me away the most in the moment that they came out uh at least as it relates to getting into that going from that 2d to 3d are the ones who've kind of aged the worst. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, Star Fox, uh, it is one of those games that, uh, yeah, I loved. And I just thought like the graphics were insane. And now it's one of the few games that I don't really play on Super Nintendo because of how it's how it's aged. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Is it one of those that not only is it a great game, but it mm. feels good now? Or has it, well, how do you think? Mm, I okay, so I'm probably in the minority here where I don't love Star Fox. Sure, uh, but I certainly appreciate what it did for the Nintendo. Absolutely, uh, no question. Yeah, I guess I. I guess it, okay. So we talked about great. this in the first episode where I never had a Super Nintendo until I was a little older, and so sure. like I didn't grow up with Star Fox. I mean, if I played at a buddy's house, we played Mario or we played Zelda. So Star Fox was never like the game that we played. Um, but you know, it, it's a it's certainly a a good game and i actually prefer the 64 version over the original uh it seems it's actually a lot easier to control my ship and fox isn't uh, i'm not getting yelled at by falcon as much as i am uh in the 64 version so um yeah it's a it's a good game i I mean 25 years and they're with a super snes mini uh you can actually play star fox 2 and i don't know did you get a chance to play that I still have to play it. <laughs> Come on, man. What kind of no, man, Nintendo right. owner are you is if you I can't know. play it's ridiculous. A, an unreleased game on a uh, little mini Super Nintendo? The moment I turned it on and I saw that Star Fox 2 was on it and I uh, learned that to access it, it's actually locked. To unlock it, you have to beat the first stage of Star Fox 1. I The first right. thing I did with it, I was like, all right, well, let's just knock this out. Get it out of the way because I want to see what Star Fox 2 is all about. I play through the first level of Star Fox 1, and then as I get to the end of the level and I beat it, it's also when it sinks in that I don't think I like to play Star Fox. And I didn't even go over to, <laughs> <laughs> to Star Fox 2 at that point. I was just like, nah, you know, I think I saw a pull up uh, something else. Yeah, so, play, yeah, uh, it's, Contra. But, uh, yeah, as far as significance, though, no question. Um, it was the flagship of the FX series on the Super Nintendo, which is really where I think the the most organized effort they had to push what that console had done a testament, I think to Nintendo and it really the cartridge format, the idea that you can add new hardware to your console hardware with each game. 
uh, which made them, yeah. of course, really expensive. But just that type of the idea of that technology is obviously just impossible in the formats we use now. Add hardware; it's it went from disk to download. So it's just kind of cool to think about how those things work, just as as technology too. So yeah, I just never got it. I was never a polygon cool. guy. That just what the polygon graphics just didn't do it for me. Uh, oh just, man. I don't know. It was not my jam a, at all. It's a separate aside. We don't. We won't get into it too deep. But I think we should talk about it at some point. What was? No, let's the first... fi- we should fight about it for sure and <laughs> broadcast it on Twitch. Just have a good old timey boxing match where you dress as Falcon and I dress as Fox and we let it rip. I agree. Or I think... we could create our own VR characters and do it that way. Yeah, I think at this point that might be the most feasible. Um, the VR side of it, <laughs> but let me but, ask I mean, you the, Okay. So the good thing is, I, I guess I'll give it the credit it, it deserves is it still lives on in like the smash games where you play as, as Falcon, you know what I mean? And so like, that's good that people still appreciate the game. It just it's wasn't my IP. jam. I was worried about blast processing on Sega, buddy. I mean, not the polygon graphic on Star Fox. Oh dude, that's yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, at the same time, I think they tried it with, with virtual racing, but yeah, Oh, <laughs> you know, I just couldn't hack it. That game Virtual Fighter, ninety dollars, the choppiest fighting game of all. Yeah, Virtual Fighter. I don't even think uh, that's not even really polygons, right? Like they just kind of faked it for no. that one. Uh, yeah. I remember playing that game in the arcades, but uh, that was I always try for a ring out or whatever. That's just about as good as I can get. But. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next anniversary. Uh, sure. I had Lost Odyssey, uh, two thousand eight, uh, February two thousand eight came out. Uh, Xbox 360. Uh, surprisingly for me, one of my favorite RPGs. Uh, I don't know if you ever had a chance to play this, but me personally, I one did. of my uh, favorite games. I did not. Um, the console, the 360, um, I actually never had one of those. Still, yeah, so I just had, I didn't really get a chance to experience much of the library. Let me ask you this, though. The name is vaguely familiar. Um, what? Who produced it? Square. Uh, so That's it's another. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe I should just go ahead and do a quick little look up here uh, about Lost Odyssey. Because uh, uh, when but... we were doing that, um, what I was also thinking of, too, is another game you played that um, it wasn't Square exactly, but I think. Like, oh, I tell you what. That, in fact, it was not Square that did this. It's developed by Mistwalker. Oh, oh, then it's your guy. It's here in Abisaka Gucci then. Right? Yes. The, yeah. The guy who did that blue. Yeah. That's exactly where I was heading at. It's awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's what so I was that's this was... inc- incredible that you know that, uh, which is why right. you are my guy for this podcast. The <laughs> fact that I just threw out like some like, yeah, Miss Walker series, like yeah, dude, Hironobu Sakaguchi, he's the greatest man ever, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, whatever. he's all right. He's the really the father he's... of the Final Fantasy series. Yes, so yep. that's where I got my square mixed up. But right, I mean, that's that, you know, that's this... when you said square, I thought I was mixed up too because I was thinking, oh, I thought yeah. it was Sakaguchi, but close enough, right? So yeah, mostly associated. Uh, but it plays, it's, it certainly plays like a square game. Um, yeah. Turn-based awesome. RPG. Um, f- one of my favorites, uh, based on a dude named Kaim Car- uh, Arganar, uh, who is essentially, <laughs> essentially, now what are you laughing? What's Kaim so funny Arganar. about Kaim Arganar? That, yes, that name, you were running that name hot for a while, because that is the most ridiculous uh, name. It's up there, I think, but Kaim Arganar, I don't like you your spell tone. that for the audience at home? K A I'm Arganar. <laughs> Arganar. Arganar. Yeah, dude, exactly. That's why that. But it's a like really good game, and oh, no, uh, you'll is. never play it, and it makes me sad. But oh no, I will, man. I remember being emotionally invested in this game. Oh. So in 2008, I'm running hot. 
bartending at the bar uh, <laughs> and living the dream. And I Absolutely. go upstairs from the bar I worked at to the apartment I lived which was above the bar and I play this game and then I get all like into it and do some crying and stuff like that. Cause it's like, it's like this dude who's immortal and he's lived for a thousand years and you're like ultimately sad about like his life and how he can't die because he like, so wait a minute, you kind of sprinted past that. Like you said it and then you just kept on moving. I just want to make sure I heard you straight. So you, you cried on this one. I may or may not have cried in this game. Oh no, I'm saying if I I asked that only like, damn, I will have to play this. I mean, okay. So like there's been another time where I cried during a video game and it's, I think everybody does. And it's that part in final fantasy seven. Are we lots of spoilers here? Yeah. Oh, I think if if you haven't figured, if you haven't played it yet, I guess they are releasing it, but let's be real. That game's for us and not, but like when Eris dies, dude, like that is the worst. I remember, uh, I didn't cry at it, but it's, I was really, it it definitely, you know, I, I would say I felt as bad after that happened as I did after watching Requiem for a Dream. So yeah. that's pretty bad um, for different reasons. <laughs> 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 Let's laugh uh, about crying. This is good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, no, but I remember just going wild, thumbing through the player's guide, like, nah, she must be coming back in about 10 pages, right? 20 pages? Like, holy shit. Like, they really, really... Yeah, because that was what got me. I would have been knowing myself had I... when I first had to be playing it if i didn't have the player's guide i would have just been like that's cool they'll bring her back um because right. i remember everybody had four limit breaks there was like some there was even some context where i was like why would they give her like level four limit break if they kill her at the end of the first disc and then i find out no they're just dicks they just program these <laughs> these uh limit breaks that you're never gonna ever see because <laughs> you'd have yeah. to get her to like level 70 or something while on the first disc which no one's doing that anyway no i digress well, no, but speaking of uh, re-releases, let's jump ahead and let's talk about the Secret Mana getting yes. a re-release on PC and yeah. PS4. Absolutely. You, big fan of this game, correct? I'm not. <laughs> I do not enjoy it. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about it. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't enjoy it. <laughs> Secret uh, Mana, you love it. You Don't you? No. I, no in I've, fact, tried. Wanna... I've tried. I've tried that game now, goddamn, um, maybe five or six times. Probably more than that, actually. Cause you gotta, I'm not counting as a kid because who's keeping track? But as like going back and playing the greats, that's one that I'll give it. I know I'll give it another try. Um, it got to the point, dude. Well, it's really the other character. Like if it was three player, that'd be fine. But I don't like what I noticed in that game is I think is four mechanics where you try to swing on somebody and then they hit you and you lose all your stamina. I found the fighting kind of tough, and also the AI of your other party members were just the worst AI possible. I was constantly getting trapped behind, like, a bush. So, if nothing else, to be honest with you, one thing I noticed in the remake, though, apart from, I think it did a really good job on the approach. It uh, By every look of it, they did 3D animeify it or whatever, which is typically, I'm not that surprised about. Um, right. But what I love about it is the attention to detail of the exact, like, locations and even the screens within the original uh super nintendo title it's almost like it reminds me of which is this is probably a terrible analogy but how uh sin city the film if you look at the actual comic book the same scenes in the film are they put objects at the same angle the right angles from the camera to recreate it almost identically right even though it's now moving and it's great that kind of attention to detail i thought was really put into this remake 
and uh, which resulted in being I think it looks pretty good. And I also would imagine they'll cure a lot of the other frustrating parts that I would relate to gameplay with the uh, battle and the party mechanic. That was a really deep um, <laughs> get down on Secret of Mana Damn, for a game that you dislike. No, well, uh, I, I take it very seriously. I would say that game for Super Nintendo, there's no doubt. Like, should it have been included in the top 21 games they got on that Super Nintendo Classic Mini? Absolutely. It's got a great score. Yeah. It's got it's really a great game. It's got great writing. Um, it's got a great art style. It's really got a good attitude. It's a really cool game. But there are humps on that game for me that I cannot get over it. They are <laughs> basically things you do every time you play it. I, oh, the right. ring menu. I didn't like the way that the spells worked. I had to level them up. Oh man. I could, but go you have on. to level up your spells in final fantasy three. Yeah, but I don't have to do goofy stuff like to level them up. Like I don't have to cast it 30 times to make my cure spell stronger. Right. Isn't that how you just have to battle yeah, you just get levels up with your XP and keep moving. You just plow through people, which is really, I guess, the approach. I so need. let's move pa- let's move past Secret of Mana and let's talk about just re-releases of games. Period. Right. So sure. one of my favorite oh, re-releases gosh. is the Wind Waker HD on Wii U. I thought oh, that was absolutely. a dope. Do you remake. know why that's like, the the greatest remake? Why? Because they didn't mess with it. They just made it, they took it's like the exact game but optimized. It looks better on your screen. It has a few extra bells and whistles on it, but it is not a ground up. Reason. But the best bell and whistle, though, is the fact that your boat moves faster now. Fair enough. In the ocean, I agree. So, yep. That I, I think, think I think excellent. that brought a, a lot of gamers back to it because uh, when one of the biggest gripes of the Wind Waker on GameCube yeah. was that it just took you forever to to sail. It was ridiculous. I agree. Uh, I actually and then you get the HD remake part. of this, and it's, it's just like for me playing on the Wii U was just uh, amazing. Which made me love the Wind Waker more than I ever had. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I'm actually one of the few people that didn't hate the sailing. I thought the music on that part and the just oh, the act so of good. it, it was so good. really like I worked at a call center for Verizon Wireless at the time I played that, <laughs> and it was like the worst. And I don't know if I've ever had a video game that was as just chill out, relaxing, but still engaging enough to play it that I stuck with for like the months it took for me to get to that game. But I loved sailing the boat at night to get from place to place for whatever reason, even the long ones, it was like, it was just chilled out. It was a neat, really. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that game. I also was a late comer to it. Uh, I think a little earlier than you, but not by much when we're talking about how long yeah, it had been. You were, I mean, you definitely beat me to it. Yeah. But um, still I was on the way after it had coming out. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all for remakes. Uh, I'm really interested to see how the final fantasy seven remake goes. Yeah. Um, I think because the, for me, right. the, the story of that game is so good. Uh, but th- that's been so overdone as far as like talked about and everything like that, because it's, I know it's, it's seriously one of, of like the best games of all time. It's like, you talk about that in the same breath. You talk about like Ocarina of time, uh, and some of the other, and I guess a lot of people, for a lot of people, super Mario galaxy is like one of the best games, uh, ever made too. Yeah. So, I um, which I, I, I can be honest, I've never played it, but, it looks oh man cool. you should i mean i say that having played it for five minutes but um yeah i think it, it it felt right for that that moment i think probably the reason why it is now considered objectively so great is that it took the mario 3d mario experience and basically put it into like a, a grand theft auto in terms of size and scope uh, there's just so much going on in that game that it really just hits every button what you want to do you're like can i try this and probably give you a reaction so there's that kind of discovery 
to it mm-hmm. that is really unique and it just takes a lot of effort. So what's a game you'd like to see be remade? Like what's one game on your list that's like, dude, you know, a game really needs to be remade is what? Gosh, that's a great question off the top of my head. As I think about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Game. That's why we're doing this podcast. Cause I'm oh, freaking know, amazing. I, it's terrible. Let me, uh, <laughs> what would be a great one to redo? Um, well, I'll tell you what they, uh, we talked, uh, I think last week about, and I think I mentioned my favorite game of all time. Um, when it really comes down to it for me, it's Final Fantasy three, six for Super Nintendo, right. and uh, they remade that. Have you? It's horrible. Like they, they did a remake well, of that. Yeah, but it was also. Are you talking was, about like the 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 PlayStation version? Or you, uh, they do it recently. Yeah, it's recent. Oh no no no! Not like the old PS one version. They did one for like you know they probably PlayStation Network on PS one, and maybe for reals. Yeah, it's not. Very it's kind of, hmm. it is, yeah, the art is awful. It feels like a cell phone game blown up on your television screen. The way that they mix some pixelization with some, like, I don't know how to explain it. Some really plasticky looking menus and all the interactions just feel like something off the phone. It's too bad. Game. I, I think they should recreate RC Pro-Am. Oh, yeah, but what? Here's a great question. Uh, you'd be cool with it just being like the isometric 45 degree angle game or you want to put some yes okay good yeah, no i don't want to sit stuff. behind the car i can i can right. do that with forza yeah. you know what i mean like i'm not yeah, exactly i want to be able to look at the overtop view i want to pick up the n the i the n the t the d whatever to spell nintendo uh and do just run around a track but like i guess it with a more dynamic graphics okay it'd be kind of cool I think, and not because I love RC Pro. I mean, it's a. I mean, it is one of my favorite games. I mean, honestly, is it really? because yeah, I, I never really got into racing games much, but RC Pro was always fun. And I actually have the uh, the rare replay uh, on my Xbox, uh, and they have RC Pro oh, sure. on it. They have that on there. And so, I mean, it's not like it's not an HD remake, but it's still like the eight bit game. Uh, you know, just if I'm bored and I'm not looking for something to do in between games of Fortnite or whatever, like I'll play RC Pro Am. I just right I really enjoy that game. So I think. I don't know what they would do with it, but that could be a game that I would probably be like, yeah, you know what? F it. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, I think in terms of games that uh, they could redo, I know DuckTales is obviously really good. Um, it got a lot of good reviews. I haven't mm-hmm. actually played it, but it's also because I I haven't either. It. I probably should look into that. So here's what I think they ought to do, and I feel like uh, the associated parties could be on board here, is let's redo Yo Noid. I bet Domino's Pizza <laughs> would be willing to dust off the Noid to get in the papers. It would be good publicity. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's get Yo Noid to come out again. That is such a weird game, dude. Uh, like so, you have to play pizza eating at the end of every level, and that's <laughs> so. And you use it by playing cards. It's such a weird. Oh, the cash grab by like these companies and Nintendo with like Cool Spot and Yo Noid and Big Kids. If you look back at those, they're just such some of them just like cringy games. But like, oh right, you didn't care because it's like, yeah, the spot's cool and cool and Cool Spot's like not a terrible game by any means. No, I don't think Uh, even the other ones you mentioned are. I know a lot. uh, I think Mick Kids gets a lot of hate. Mick Kids is weird. Kids, whatever they want to call it. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's loose. Weird, it's but... a little, it's a little slippery. It's a little icy in terms of the controls yeah. for a platform. Oh yeah, but so weird. I still really enjoy it because uh, the level design in it, I think, really impressive. 
uh, what was the other one we were just talking about though? Oh, Yonoid. So the Yonoid though, yeah. here's a story on Yonoid. So <laughs> it was a Japanese, I mean, all these games were Japanese <laughs> for the Nintendo and Super Nintendo at the time. There was very little coming out here first, but it was a Capcom game. So um, it came out in Japan and it was, it basically, I think it was called like Little Ninja Hanamaru. And you played this ninja that wore a mask and you flung your attack bird at people. Like it would just dive off your shoulder and bite people. It was kind of your attack. And it was the same thing. Only you had to play like a card game with these feudal lords at the end of each level or whatever, like some sort of boss. And they just didn't have any way to uh, westernize it. Or at least there was no interest in it. And for whatever reason, I think they began to westernize it. And then I don't know who contacts who on that but yeah the idea that they went void they inserted a marketing guy in it so and for me that's probably when the game is good if anybody would have set out to make a game about the noid from the pizza delivery commercials or whatever it was back then that would have been the weirdest lamest game like ever but because it was already a good platformer title that just wasn't going to translate well to western audiences capcom's like yeah cool just here slap we can put mickey mouse on this we can put ronald mcdonald on this like we'll put whatever you want and uh it'll then it sold and it's strange because i don't have any feelings either way about the noid but i think that game a lot of people kind of knew that game back then which is weird because nobody cared about you know on the playgrounds and stuff we were in spending night at friends houses and playing games that each other had you know we didn't wouldn't care about any mascots of fast food like if pizza hut had a mascot right. we wouldn't be like oh let's play the pizza hut game Yonoi was legit good. I think Burger King had an Xbox game at one point. Oh, they did. With like the creepy right. king or whatever. Yeah, the king. Uh, and it may have came with my Whopper one time, and I yeah. it was just so And weird. it was well-received. Whoever it was that did it, they did a good enough job. That well, it's genius like, yeah, marketing is what game. it is. It's like, Yo, you know, sure. here, here's this creepy king. Let's get this Xbox game out. Let's make mm-hmm. a few bucks. Let's have some fun, and we'll stir up some controversy. You know what I mean? So yeah. It, it, that stuff like that's brilliant. And I think Domino's, uh, if you're listening, we will totally take you as a sponsor and uh, <laughs> gladly take free pizzas. So, um, but continue on, I want to just move ahead to, uh, last week we talked a little bit about the arcade and Todd Rogers and, and the cheating, right? Uh, right. remember we talked about somebody was just absolutely bulletproof who you just like, nah, there's no way this dude cheats. No way. No way. Yep. I, I think we did. That was just last week. That was just last week. So Billy Mitchell, Billy um, Mitchell. Yeah. Really, like the the kingpin, the supervillain of the old guard of the Twin Galaxies area, man. The Donald Trump of video games. I guess so. Oh, man. See, here's what here's what's weird is that I don't understand. Like, I would be curious to know if because obviously. So I guess there's more detail. The allegations of his cheating are not necessarily they're not as cut and dry as they were for Todd Rogers. And what I mean by that is it's speculative and it is, uh, it's based on the fact that he had always said for years that he did not play Donkey Kong on a main cabinet. Main for those who don't know, is just the multi arcade emulator, um, that folks used to play arcade machines on a computer. So he said that and he's gone on that for so many years, but as it turns out, people had broke down the, uh, the videos he'd uploaded and it all comes down to how a natural monitor will draw the image on your screen frame by frame as compared mm-hmm. to how um, 
you know, between MAME and the arcade machine. Right. And his videos match the MAME one and not the coin op. So that said, uh, for those particular videos, I don't – he's been so good at that game for so long. Like what – how far if, – if it is true that he faked it on the MAME, I just wonder like – what he would have done on it. I want there to be more to it than he's just a liar because I feel like at this point they've proven to me that he's a liar. I'm not, I haven't been proven to yet that he cheated. Does that make sense? Right. So you're talking about like, did he make any changes to the board or did he make any changes to the, or on MAME? Yeah. Like what the allegations are that he used MAME and in doing so MAME opens up the opportunity to, because it's on your computer you're running right. it through. You can mess with certain qualities of it in a way that would be very hard to detect and that you really could do on a dedicated cabinet. And that's also exactly why um, most of these folks who um, want to set records and maintain them as they relate to arcade machines, they, have, they want folks as often as is physically possible to complete these records on a legitimate uh, cabinet. So... That's, you know, just because they want to rule out the possibility of people messing with it in some way. So, but for me, yeah, I, I know he used MAME and I think that sucks that he lied, but I, I wonder what he was doing in MAME to cheat. Well, I mean, okay. So MAME aside, I don't, I don't really have an issue with the MAME itself. I guess, like you said, it's more of the lying. Like I never play MAME. I only play on a, on an actual machine. Right. Yeah. Um, Twin Galaxies lived on the names of Walter Day and Billy Mitchell, right? So you had these clean, just dudes who were really good at what they did. And like they set the standard and that was that. And you never questioned it, right? So you never questioned the king. Okay. If you, you, like you can never question Billy Mitchell and Pac-Man, right? Obviously. No. And so and people never question it. Like, like, so if Billy Miltzer yeah. puts up a million point score, I mean, other than in the King of Kong, right, where Steve Wiebe is upset or whatever. Uh, and of course, that was edited in a, in a certain way anyway that uh, may or may not have. You're talking about the scene from the King of Kong where nobody yeah. even verified his score before the episode. Right, from the videotape, right? right. Um, but also, yeah. like, yes. if anybody in the arcade community and somebody sends Billy, uh, Billy Miltzer just sends it a tape, nobody's going to question it. That's just it's like, yeah, Billy rock, rock, rocked up another score. That's cool. I mean, I've seen him do this live. It's not like he can't accomplish this. That's my point, right? But That's the for point. me, do you think that this tarnishes some of like the credibility of the older gamers trying to hang on to these scores? Do you think that the, I mean, for me, this kind of just like says, okay, you guys are just. I don't know why you feel like you have to do this, but you're doing it. Uh, so sure. I'm not, I'm just not, this. I'm not a big fan. I have a harder time. I think there's now interest based on what happened to Todd Rogers. There's interest in scrutiny, uh, that it, it would match to like, like subjects. So we're looking at Billy Mitchell. And so I, I wonder, I don't, I just, if, if his air, if his thing was as bad as Todd Rogers was, absolutely. I think it would totally tarnish. But don't you think point. that Billy Mitchell needs to be held to a higher standard than Todd Rogers? I think it's no, I think the same. I mean, the same standard as anybody who wants to 
you know, put on the their tombstone that they got a high score in a video game and it was a big deal. You don't think um, this is a bigger blow is, than like Billy Mitchell being caught cheating is not a bigger blow than Todd Rogers being caught cheating? No, I don't think he's been caught cheat. I mean, I, okay, so the, the allegations don't, though, do you, you don't he got caught lying. This is a big. Is this is this or not? Is this not a bigger deal than Todd Rogers? No, not yet. I think it. I think it is. I think the Todd Rogers. Here's why Todd Rogers is big to me. Old boy's got a record, has it for that many years, and then it comes to be discovered that uh, he the score he had is unachievable. Like it's unachievable. Um, there is no way to get it. They're able to run it through tests or do all these things. Um, which, of course, a lot of it is going to be due to the simplicity of that particular title, which you can't get out of Donkey Kong. But as you had said, right, we have seen um, Billy Mitchell. I, I would imagine he has set the record legitimately in the past. No. How do you feel about that? Do you think it because there's no maim back in the 80s? There's no, no. maim in some. Of this well, stuff. I mean, he did it like so, in front of people when he set the record. Like he did, he did it, it in front of people. Right. In, he did so it. That's at what the, I mean. The life. Todd event. Rogers never. Todd Rogers never set the dragster record in front of anyone because it was a lie from the ground up. He never right. set that time in front of anybody. So this, so let's compare this to baseball, right? So Barry Bonds, his Hall of Fame credentials, right? You could say he was a Hall of Famer before he allegedly started using steroids, right? So Billy Mitchell was a Hall of Famer no matter what, even if he did, you know, cheat a little bit on his on the using a mame. Would you, would you agree with that comparison? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how well, sports you can be, but like I'm starting. No, to... I can be. <laughs> I think. I think it, it comes to integrity. Um, I. I think. Yeah, it's worth the viewing. I don't know that. I don't know that it's apples to apples with that particular one. And I'm not trying to come to the defense of Billy Mitchell at all. Um, I am only trying to consider relative. Here, here first, Phil Ernst, these two things. Billy Mitchell apologist. No, hell no. Um, I love to hate that guy for sure. Um, but I just, I think in relativity speaking, this guy being caught using the software that is that runs arcade machines and submitting scores on it based on that, that's enough for me to go, whoa, let's get a close look at this. Because, I mean, there have been scores submitted on MAME. There are ways to tell, I would hope, Um with a trained eye and how to look at this footage and determine if somebody's pulling stuff they shouldn't because ultimately, and we've seen people, what was that game or that movie we saw, or maybe you'd seen it or it's the one where uh, it's the guy running the snake game and they find out that the board he has is making the Uh, snake run. Yeah. Man versus snake. Snake. Like they could run the video of his, uh, his main files through all kinds of stuff. And they'll be able to see, um, I think, like the video. They'll be able to see the Mario run faster left to right. That also takes me to this point about the edits that he had in audio. That's something that I think, uh, you know, warrants a look. But, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think it's the same level of, like, caught you red-handed, you cheat and bastard. I think they caught him lying. I think that he was using MAME. I think he needs to explain why. If he just needs to be like, no, I like playing Donkey Kong. I like setting Donkey Kong records in my underwear, at my kitchen table, on my laptop. Cool. Let us know. Like, I guess you're going to have to use MAME for that. But <laughs> yeah, just, just, I don't know. Just I just be don't open know about reasoning. it. I think that yeah, if somebody, like Billy, if somebody yeah. like Billy Mitchell would be like, yeah, MAME's fine. Like, you can do records on it. Like, then I think, I guess exactly. the professional would probably be more You're angry. absolutely right. So, yeah, if he wasn't such a hypocrite. That's yeah. another great point. That's total horseshit. <laughs> is that he's gonna after all these years of criticizing anybody that would play Mame, um, 
it was just total bullshit. Billy Mitchell. My my favorite Billy Mitchell story, um, and this is why. So I used to hate him to the point where I didn't like him. Like I I didn't want him in. Like if he just suddenly just disappeared, I'd be like, that's good. That guy sucked. Like he was just. I thought he was just such a, a douchebag, and I think he is. But he's also got a comic book villainy that creates a narrative with ret- like with retro gaming and his whole Twin Galaxies era that's gone. Mm-hmm. That I don't think would have existed, and it didn't exist with the rest of the people in his cast of characters. Um, so, like one example, he he had the record right for Donkey Kong. Yeah, for like and 140 what, years or whatever, 20, 20 sure. years, whatever. But he'd even he lost it, and he did a little bit of back and forth for a while. Now, of course, it's just ancient history. The guy's like 13th, by the way. That's where we we know him to be the champion of Donkey Kong based on the like the pop culture right. understanding that's been established. But he is not like you know he's not the best one at it anymore not currently no but he but, was certainly paved the way but yeah. he was yeah absolutely and so what he had done is he would get to where he had the score right on like the last screen because it's one of those games i think with a kill screen where like you get to the point where the level won't generate any further and you just or the timer i think counts down before you could beat it it's just impossible to do it but he would get to like those last stages with all the points he had piled up. And if he had broken the score, he would sit and just let the game kill him without trying to get any more points. Right. And that was because he, I'm sure he's an asshole. he wanted to kind of feed it. Well, no, I think it's the best thing possible. I think he was feeding in to like, yeah, here, I just took it from you. But what's great is he left a window for you to take it back from him. Right. Well, cause he's, something there's that, no point. He's not going to try and beat himself. That's silly. So I guess, okay, I see what you're saying. But he just never much, tried to set the best he could ever do. He would just set the best in the day to the take the prize from around. somebody, but it's, but Nothing's it's always open for someone else to take from down. him. Yeah, man. It's like a, it's totally a Rocky. It's totally a, it's a narrative that is absent in competitive it's sports. An 80s montage. Yeah. I just love it. I love the idea that he did that <laughs> and that he was, you know, he was kind of like, Oh, I'll take it back. Just, because he, if nothing else, he could have kept going, right? And yeah. he could have set whatever score he could get. Yes. But somebody out there just beat his score, and they were champion for a second. If he'd have just ran to the very limit, you know, then the guy who got the time he got that would have beat his first one, he's still nothing. But at least the guy who beat him for a second got to be king for a second. Yeah. King for a day. <laughs> Back in and took it. Yeah. yeah. I don't uh, know. I like that about him. I think he's a good bad guy. I think he's the narrative that he brings as a bad guy is really kind of cool by no means though does this excuse cheating um and if he did was a cheater then he's he sucks forever. so you're wagging uh, your fingers you're waiting. gonna you're giving billy billy mitchell a uh, finger wag saying shame on you but you're not like eh, this dude's a total butthole and i hope he never plays <laughs> video games again no hell no and that's it, it, that's because i haven't been convinced he cheated i've been convinced he lied okay. and for me there's a serious distinction Lying, cheating, stealing, Billy Mitchell. <laughs> I just started a new Ugh. career of singing on a podcast. Well, I let's agree. move on to new competitive gaming. Uh, so we're, right. we're, we're past the Billy Mitchell uh, versus Steve Weeb uh, to onto the Big 20. Uh, and for those who don't know what the Big 20 is, uh, the Big 20 is a essentially a game marathon where uh, the best of NES chooses 20 NES games and you either have to beat or hit certain checkpoints in video games. And the first to complete these 20 checkpoints uh, in these 20 different games 
wins. Uh, typically, it takes somewhere around three hours uh, for the best people to finish. Um, if you're like me, it will take forever because you'll never know how to play those games well enough. Uh, Phil mm-hmm. and I have attempted to do this in the past. Uh, and have we ever actually competed in the Big 20? No, because I was actually going to say, when you say it, Phil and I attempted to do this, there's a clarification needs to be made. Um, we we tried to try, we try, and then we still couldn't do it. We tried to try. It wasn't like we showed up on race day and gave it our best, Yeah, no. and we just couldn't no, do it. No, we usually I mean, quit a couple like, weeks before. It was like, all right, before. we got a month. Yeah. Yeah, we got a month to go. Let's play. If we if we learn two games a night yeah. for the next seven nights, we can do that. And then I get stuck yeah. on Gremlins. This will be fine. And I'm just like, I can't even beat this game. I'm a terrible, terrible human being. Forget the Big 20. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the Big 20 Agreed. is a really cool event that they, I think they're on number race number, what, seven now? Uh, Gosh, probably. And I think um, that this is going to be a really good one. Uh, so you can actually check out the um, the Big 20 at the bestofnes.com uh, slash Big 20, and you can actually see uh, the games. And, and, and anybody can sign up. You, it doesn't matter if you're uh, a competitive gamer, if you're just a dude off the street. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's Anybody can literally sign up uh, as long as you have a, a – Twitch account and you can log into speedruns live and, and whatever. But uh, Phil, let's go over some of the games. We're not going to go through every twenty, all, all twenty, because I think that's the silliest. But uh, uh, yep. some of the games that jump out at me here, uh, of course, are uh, ice hockey for me. Um, that okay. was a jam. Uh, I played a lot of it. Played a lot of Czechoslovakia when I was a little rich. Um, I don't know oh, why yeah, Czechoslovakia right. was my yeah, team. About to ask um, that. Maybe I was. Really enjoyed the grays uh, because colors are stupid. I don't know, but oh, that's probably uh, it. Ice hockey was fun for me. Uh, I'm looking through this. Uh, Spy Hunter is a game I have. When you made your team in, in ice hockey, though, uh, what were you like pulling a good mix? Like, because remember, you had three types of guys, right? You had narrow yeah, the skinny guy, dude, guy, fat guy. Yeah, uh, I try to have a good mix, right? So, like, my defensemen yeah. uh, were always the big dudes, the beef monsters, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and yep. then my, I usually had a middle dude as my center and then my, uh, wings were like the speed guys. So, um, the interesting guys. tidbit about that game is, uh, I believe the music in it, which is pretty good. I think, especially for one of the like really kind of old NES titles, I believe the music was by Koji Kondo. That's the guy who did the music for original Super Mario brothers. And really, I think Super Mario brothers since, um, Although I don't think he does music for other games anymore. I, think it's just Mario. I feel that you just really yeah. enjoy name dropping Japanese uh, developers and musicians uh, in this podcast. Koji-san. Koji San. Koji. Koji San go way back. Yeah. <laughs> you guys Absolutely. had some sake. No, at, I, you, uh, just, you know me. That's something right? we we haven't. Yeah, something we haven't talked about. We should. I could dedicate a whole episode to something I'm really fascinated with is uh, video game music. I mean, and apart from just video game history in general. So yeah, you know, Koji Kondo. A, well, you put me into the Digging of the Cart series, I think is like, oh, so good. And I'd really like to, to get more into it. That's totally your jam. Yeah. Uh, so what are some yeah, games that jump that out one. at you uh, on this list? Like, what's a, what's a, what's the most Phil game on here? Oh, gosh, the most Phil game on here? Monster in my pocket. Great question. It's, I guess, I guess it just shows how much of a, an asshole I am. I'm looking at these, like, there's the ones that are jumping out at me are the ones I hate. Um, but as far as one that I love, uh, Little Samson. That's that's such a great game. That is a very fun game. System titles. Oh, it's so good. But I but I never played it. Everything. The only time I've ever played it, obviously, is on emulator because good luck getting a copy. Exactly. 
yeah, copy of it's what like five hundred dollars, a thousand. I haven't looked recently on eBay, but yeah, that's a five to seven hundred dollar game. I hope it it's calmed down a little bit, but that's a game I'll never have in my collection ever. Um, Yeah, but it's it's a great game to play. It's a late release game, um, and it's a totally fun adventure platformer game. It's great. Yeah, I think it's also it's just a testament to games that are that are late Mm -hmm. um, in the console life, but are so good that. You know, no one even played it, but those who did were like, this game is great. Um, and it, I think that's a lot of, there were a lot of late, you know, Kid Clown's a late NES title. Right. But no one gives a shit. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Samson's like, that game's legit. Um, other, otherwise, Paperboy, that's a game that I'll pick up. I know it's awful. It's a really bad game. Um, but I just, that's one of those games I can throw in, you know, break a couple windows with the papers, knock some trash cans over. I'll get my joy out of it in about five minutes, but right. I come back to it. I could, I'll tell you though, the, what you need to do in the big 20, uh, to consider beating this game is you got to beat a whole week. There is no fucking way I could deliver seven days of papers for that game. That game is so hard. I, can't I think you could. Wednesday. Okay. You're thinking about the last time you played this game, you were probably a kid. So I think if you were, playing no, I think adult, I was probably like 34 the last time I played. <laughs> I don't believe <laughs> so you. I'm I saying, think you I could think do so. a whole week. Oh, hell. You could do a whole week, dude. Dude, the music alone. It's so grinding, man. I mean, it's funny. Let's just make this podcast about mouth sounds. Yeah, that game is something else. Okay, so I have a question. Do you know the game Palamedes? I saw that. So here's what I know about Palamedes. Or what I recall. It was developed it's by a guy I've never heard unlicensed, of. Unlicensed. Oh, yeah, I definitely hadn't heard of this guy, though. Uh, but it was an unlicensed title. Um, and it was by the same people that were making these dirty porn games for the NES, I think. Like Bubble Bath Babes and some of these other titles. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Palamedes, but it's a puzzle game. Oh. Right? Ugh. Or is it a. I don't know. Well, <laughs> well, tell me, what do you know about it? I know nothing about Palamedes other than I don't want to play oh. it. Um, and so I'm going to Google it right now. Uh, yeah, Palamedes NES. It's probably the worst. It's probably worse than Othello. Um, in, there's always a. Oh, never, um, never mind, dude. It's by Taito. I just totally uh, sullied the reputation of the of Palamedes. Like it's a ver- Palamedes is a legitimate game. I apologize. I say Taito did Little Samson. You better watch yourself. Bad Intel. No, dude. Palamedes. I don't know what I was thinking of. Dude, did you um, see this box this art? Oh my god, we should just totally like when we get to the oh box art. God. This is trash it's box a art. Fucking thing of nightmares. Look at the <laughs> face on that thing. It's like a garbage pail kid. It game. does look like a garbage pail kid. Uh, oh, okay, maybe this is a like he's juggling here. fuzzy dice. That's weird. Well, <laughs> you guys can make your own nightmares based on that description. Uh, it's, uh, juggling fuzzy dice in your dad's Camaro. Uh, so much for pg-13 um so anyway so just a quick rundown of the games donkey kong jr math archon ice hockey pac-man uh actually not sure if this is the tengen version or uh the nes version uh probably really doesn't matter uh dragon's lair spy hunter paperboy california raisins uh were you a california raisins kid did you ever buy like the hardy's toys Hardy's no. Happy Meal. Uh, well, I didn't get it. Um, it may have had to do with being like just some little weird kid in Butte, Illinois. Like I didn't get 
California Raisins. Cause what year did that even come out? Like the whole, cause I feel like the video game did not like strike when the iron was hottest here. Like it wasn't no. like it was at their peak. I think they were at their peak in like earlier than that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, anyway, I didn't play the game. Um, I didn't even have the toys. I had the, you know what I did have? I don't know how I, I came upon it. I, I had like a little Gumby of one of them where you could bend their arms and legs and get them yes. in shape, but I only have yeah. one of them. And there were like three or four of the damn thing. No, but nothing so I, says. I had the loneliest California raisin of all California raisins. He was very, You're the very only sad. person with no California raisin with. and not California raisins. You're exactly. The... <laughs> yeah. I'm the one guy with the California raisin. <laughs> oh, that's great. Poor Phil and his sad California raisin. Yeah. Uh, hanging out with other weird, like the Island of Misfit toys or some yeah. shit. Misfit toy. House. It's the, it's one up toy. Misfit. One island. <laughs> It's Highlander. Two men enter, one man leave. There can only be one. California raisin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got Hammer, uh, uh, Hammer and Harry on good. their Palamedes Snow Bros widget, uh, Russian Attack, Monster in My Pocket, I which I believe is a good game. Uh, I don't really remember playing that much. Uh, never played it late library, and I never the toy has annoyed me. Like yeah. I thought, if anybody who's playing with these toys is a loser. <laughs> Like, uh, wacky races, yeah. uh, tailspin, Castlevania two, which is not everybody's uh, favorite Castlevania no, game, but a good be. Castlevania game nonetheless. I mean, it's a good game. It's not really. Why, that's a that's a bold faced lie. You don't Did like you just Castlevania say it's a good two? Castlevania game? Hell no! I liked it's it. Awful man. I was the last it. time you played it. I mean, it's been a minute or two. I know, but a minute. Yeah, you're telling me how long it's been since I played Paperboy. Trust me in my critical eye here. That game is horrible. Do you just not no, like it's, it because it's, right. of the like extra text that doesn't need to happen, or oh my god, you having to throw yeah, the like day night cycle? Yeah, day night cycle bums me out. Um, the way it grinds bums me out. You die. It's it's kind of like Zelda two, where if you game over, you just be no, they no, run no. you so hard back that you just lose. You can lose hours of progress. Yeah. Um, the other big thing I hated about it is. It's a game that's entirely based on difficult riddles in terms of it right. you figuring out where you need to go next, and it was so poorly translated. Yeah. Like, well, it, hell, it comes back to that, like the famous. I don't even know if it was like his first episode, the Angry Video Game Nerd. Yeah, it was one of his first episodes. He, yeah. Yeah, because I never beat the game um, before. I had seen. I have since because I went through. But um, by the time I saw that episode, when he went up to the wall, crouched, and then selected the gem, and a tornado came and took him away, <laughs> I was like, fuck this game. Like, there's no <laughs> way that this game told me to do that. Right. Like, how the hell was I ever going to know that? Yeah. Well, yeah, read Nintendo There are certain games that are unplayable like pre-internet, and that, is a, that game is unplayable pre-internet, for sure. I think since then, yeah, but I still have a chip on my shoulder, because that game came to kids' houses at Christmas. And there's no way any of those kids were taking the red gem to the dead end, turning, crouching, and getting a tornado call. So that game is bullshit. Well, okay. So enough of the big 20, because I, apparently I hit a struck a chord with Phil and Castlevania 2. Oh, we'll just no, agree man. disagree I on this love, one. I, th I enjoy playing it, and oh, no. but I'll be honest, I've never beat it. But uh, I oh, no. guess I enjoy playing it. I don't know, whatever. Let's move on. Uh, no, man, I, I love disagreeing with you on this stuff. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Don't get hurt feelings, Rich. Dude, I'm not I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry I, I sully Caspini 2. I didn't mean to, you know. Oh, well, then I'll, I'll just cry like I did when I played Lost Odyssey. It'll be totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last week we had talked a little bit about the potential of us speedrunning a game, right? Like 
And you had mentioned a game, and I've completely forgot the name because it was a Japanese game that nobody will ever play except for me and you um, and a bunch of other streamers. But uh, uh, let's go ahead and get into you issuing this this speedrun challenge. Sure. Well, um, I believe the game is called uh, Mushi Mushi Hapkido Funaki. Um, it was a game you created some time ago. No, I know. I understand you wouldn't have Fever dream. the name. I Fever Dream. Um, no, what was it? I want to say it's Murasame Joe no Nazo. It's basically, it means like, I don't know, castle adventure or something. It's, it's funny. All these names are like, oh, wow, what's that? And it's like a cat party. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything special. Um, I would play a game play, called Cat Party in a heartbeat. I, that's true. I would too. It's, but it's, it would be a game. Um, unless it's based on a musician, of which I don't think is terrible, but you do. Um, cat Box Party for her. Yeah. No. So the Mursami no Nazo or Mursami Jono Nazo, that is, that's on based on a Zelda engine for uh, Famicom it's on a okay. disc system. Right. So it plays just like it's top down um, screen scroller, but this one's more action than um, an adventure. You, it's linear. Got to get through stages, um, but it's in really, really hard. But at the same time, it's just one of it's, there's not many NES games uh, that are, first party Nintendo that were not released in the U S that had any real substance. Um, you know, things like they got some go games. They got some games that are very Japanese that didn't make it or very simple, but most games they made, um, in Japan that were first party, they made their way to the U S and, uh, that's one that I hadn't played. I didn't even know existed, um, forever. And I'd already looked into what I would call lost Nintendo titles like that. And, um, because it was on a disc system, it just kind of goes unnoticed, but I highly recommend it. It's really difficult. Um, it's got a pretty high difficulty curve, but it really plays well. I mean, it, it plays like the first Zelda and that's like one of the best that's bold, playing man. games. That's I bold. think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's on the same engine. It's just, well, it just plays really well. It's very difficult, but you can't fault, um, the original Nintendo, original Zelda for Nintendo, um, for its, uh, gameplay or whatever it's controls and mechanics i think it those are just excellent mechanics for an nes game even if it's so early in the system's life uh this kind of takes a page from that. well then let's do it now that i've got my retro pie and my raspberry pie dude i will download this game i will oh, play it. man i'm terrified of it well let's like uh, let's stop living our lives like scared little babies and let's play it it's one Ugh. game. It's not the big 20. Let's do it. Let's go to GDQ sometime. Yeah. The oldest people there. It'll be a good time. <laughs> we'll get on. Like I'll sit on the couch. You can play it. It'll be totally fine. And we will just be heroes to yeah. a generation of not millennials. Or Yeah. I'm sure everybody will be watching that at one thirty in the morning on a Tuesday, which is the time slot. We would most certainly get with this game. Dude, you know um, somebody's going to do a $100 donation to the guy behind the couch who keeps saying hype, and it'll be fine. Yep. No, probably. You could probably get cheap. No, it's... Yeah, I would say play that game. If you can speed run the first stage, I will hell, if you can do that, you could probably do the rest of the game because it's so much of it just kind of figuring it out, every little angle of it. I had a hell of a time. I know that. I, I tried taking it seriously for like a couple of days, and then I realized I don't know if I've got speed running in me i want 
too I want it to be. But, but think uh, about our like our foray into Mario Brothers. We just played a ton of Mario Brothers and then we decided exactly. to speedrun it. So let's yeah. not go into it with like a speedrun mentality at first. Mm-hmm. Let's just play the game. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, good point. Let's Yeah, I would I will do that. I'll play it this week. We can uh, circle back around yeah, and you can let's, tell we'll me. We'll do a uh, brief. Uh, when. We'll come back next week. We'll do a brief synopsis of what we just did. And I'll be like, I don't want to play this game anymore. And then we'll move on. Okay. Exactly. I was going to say, I think it'll be less a synopsis and more of like an autopsy <laughs> of like what didn't go right and why we're not playing that game anymore. <laughs> and why I decided to rake my leaves instead of playing this game. Exactly. Uh, what a good game. You know, it's good if it's like, ah, I'd love to, but I got some leaves to break. <laughs> Thank God I got to fucking rate or get me out of that game oh well phil we'll get into that but let's right now let's get into the main event something you've been wanting to chat about for a hot minute is video sure. game box art which yeah absolutely was just um, like if you think about it i mean this is how you got people to rent your games totally or buy their it game. was the in the it, the, that's so much like the whole pre-internet age. I mean, hell, I even forget about it time and time. It's fun. I hate having to talk about it like that. Like, uh, in my day, you know, we had wood boxes on shelves. You know, like that we didn't. You didn't have the internet, but you didn't, and you didn't even have like. I had the magazine because that's crazy, and maybe you'd even catch one at the newsstand. Like your parents go grocery shopping, and you'd I would just hang over the magazines while they were grocery shopping, right. stump through all the video game magazines, try to read up. They were expensive, and a lot of times you were saving up money to buy these things you didn't just necessarily get them for your birthday or uh or christmas or something you'd you'd be saving up your own money so you didn't want to buy a bad game but unfortunately you know a lot of games the box art is really especially when you're renting them that's you were tied you were stuck with that game for a weekend after a week of school you had to get it right and so um i think the most memorable times box art is one of those if it's no news it's good news Mm -hmm. like no, if if people are not mentioning it, it's probably fine. If it's remembered, it's probably a steaming pile of shit. Like it's probably Mega Man One, right? Which everybody knows is that's the most well known. That's one, like the standard. Like if you're the, talking about not the Hall Mona of Lisa Fame box, box art for crap, like that's yeah. number one. Exactly. For sure, that's without it. a doubt. That's the one. I highly recommend it for those who are unfamiliar. It's as I was telling Rich um, shortly before we started. It is so significant that other video games have taken the poorly, the poor artistic adaptation of the the man on the front of that holding the pistol, and made him a character called Bad Box Art Mega Man, and they put him in like I think it was a Tekken and Street Fighter hybrid fighting game. And it's Archie, it's so, Archie Comics, and he's an Archie Comics, right? <laughs> Just crazy. Yeah, it's so bad. He's now a pop culture uh, icon. Like, that's great. Right. And the biggest finger in the eye on this whole thing, the biggest poke in the eye is that I found out years later, you start looking at uh, the Japanese box art, the original box art. Go look at the box art for Rockman. It's fucking great. Yeah, so It looks good. just like it should. It looks just like it should. It looks just right. like the game. I, then you look at the one for the NES, Mega Man, and you're just like, what in the hell? This man is not mega. It just it creeps you out. Like that game would give me the creeps. That game gave like actually I forgot all about this. So there's a game in the box art certainly qualifies. It's probably why it creeped me out. There was a game that creeped me out as a kid. It's called Trojan. It's also a Capcom title. Um, 
and the cover art of it, I don't know why it disturbed my little six-year-old brain in a way that some things strangely disturb, you know, unsettled children. But yeah, man, like Mega Man 1's cover art was the same way. The little dude with the face on the little guy with the gun. <laughs> all that. <laughs> on the front, you're like, I don't want to play this game at all. Like, ugh, this game is weird. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, that game's terrible. Um what game? No, okay, what are, so one game that always art? gets me, the one box art that always gets me, and I'm pretty sure they, a lot of people get this, or a lot of people feel this way, mm. Phalanx on Super Nintendo. Yeah, I was, I was hoping you were going to say Phalanx, dude. Because like Absolutely. it's just some old, just like crusty dude on a banjo, right? Like it's Deliverance on the front of an SNES game. And you're like, I really don't want this game. But then it's like right. a space shooter. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. That doesn't make I've any to, sense. It makes no sense. I've come to appreciate that game in old age, or older old age, in my later years. Um, that is definitely, while well, we're talking about games that you didn't rent, based on a box art, <laughs> I can tell you I saw that game uh, a million times at the rental place. And I knew it was a shooter, but I still was just like, hell no. Like, I'm not renting this game. It looks terrible. Um, and it was because of the, I don't need to play a game where somebody who had a hand in how this game is going to work, decided that an old man with a banjo was the look they needed to capture to really draw me in. Like, hell no, that's just bad judgment. Um, that said, I think it's kind of cool now because it's seriously one of the weirdest box arts ever. And it's not for being artistically done poorly. Like the ones we discussed with Mega Man and some others that are going to be known to be bad box art. This is bad box art. Because they hired some, like, I don't know, like some sort of avant-garde college student <laughs> to like figure out what their box art needed to look like. And he came up with this old man. I don't know. I just wonder who pulled the trigger on that and why did everybody agree? I have, I'm more interested in it as a bad box art than probably other games. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I okay, so I have, I've, I'll be honest, I've never played the game. Uh, but the box art just threw me for a loop. Uh, one of my biggest box art disasters um, was when I was a child and I was a Sega kid. We've, we've discussed this and I had my birthday money. My birthday is three days after Christmas. So I'm like, I'm rich. I've got an extra 70 bucks to spend on a Sega game. Let's go tear it up. So I went to KB toys at the time in the mall and I was like looking at the games. I was like, well, I've played this, I've played this, but Wow, this game looks really cool. Uh, let's pick it up. It's a game called Eternal Champions on Sega. So I pick it up, and it's like this just like visually appealing box art. And I'm like, wow, this looks like a really cool game. Like, let's go beat some things up. Uh, I did not realize it was a fighting game. And I don't know why I didn't realize that when I bought it. But when I bought it, and I brought it home, and I'm playing it with my brother, and immediately... I'm so upset that I've just spent $70 on the worst game I've ever played in my entire <laughs> life that I closed it. And I think I rarely played it ever again after that. And it's one of the, I, I that's one that's, you know, he's talking about like, you, like that's $70 you never get again, dude. Right. Mm, this is the worst purchase. So tell of me life. again, the name of this game, eternal, Champions. eternal champions. So I want you to just give that a quick look up. I've uh, never looked. Oh my gosh. And as like a, you know, 12 yeah. year old kid, like this game is the shit. Just looking at the cover. It's like, this man is flying at my face. Let's get weird. Right. Uh, and I'm like, this well, is going to be that, the gym. Is he like, 
but he has like a so the picture i'm looking at right now is small i need to get a high res version because the guy's face on the cover on the right with the visor Mm -hmm. it's his like jaw like unhinged like a python like it looks weird yeah but you know beast man is is there and it's like yeah dude let's get eternal (laughs) with these champions i'm in i like champions my gosh dude uh it was the biggest mistake of my life so box art buyer beware on box art i mean well back then buyer beware on box art now it you can look up a game and and get reviews from ign on everything and and watch youtube clips of somebody playing it four weeks before it comes out somehow uh and you get a good idea what a game's going to play like uh if back then though it was just such a hit or miss uh on some of these games like Shaq Fu, right? Like Shaq yeah. Fu was a game that should have been great because I love Shaq and I love Kung Fu. So you put those two together, it's like, yeah, I'm in. But then you play it and it's like, mm I'm out. See, you saying that, nah, man. Like, come on now. Like, <laughs> I remember there were certainly games I wanted to be good, but I knew they just couldn't get it right. Like, I remember just being so disappointed. I think the one that broke me was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure for NES. <laughs> <laughs> and... So after playing that one, I think I was just like, fuck tie-ins. Like from now on, if anybody who has no business being in a video game is in it, it's a cash grab. And I remember when Shaq Fu came out, I was like, what is it? And they said, well, it's it's a game, right? With the basketball player Shaquille O'Neal, but get it, this. He's he's fighting Kung Fu. It's a Kung Fu fighting game. And I was like, that's got to be the shittiest game, Um, which it was. And I think now actually it's probably a kind of a fun game. It's a it's a game that's probably fun for being bad, but yeah, I'm sorry that one surprised you, man. I wish I'd have been your friend back then. I would have warned you. Like that game cannot be good. <laughs> the laws of the universe, the laws of nature, will not allow that uh, that image or sorry that uh, that game to be good. I just miss just going and running a game for a weekend and deciding then if you like yeah, it me or too. not. You know, it was. It was uh, simpler times. But then everybody talks about like previous generations about what it was like when I was a kid. Uh, exactly. And I remember I'm, back when balling a hoop or sticking a hoop was right. the, the and best way to pass time. I'm, I realize that now, especially with my students, it's like, you know, millennials get a really bad rap. You know what I mean? But I just think about like what yeah. our parents said about our generation. Right. And so it's. It's just a thing that keeps on happening. They've been saying it forever, where the next generation is just worse off than the one before. So, right. uh, and it's really just the parents' fault. Everybody gets a trophy. Well, I didn't ask for <laughs> it. True. You guys did. So, uh, anything else you want to bring up with uh, with these with the box art? Um, I know. That- well, I mean, really, uh, nothing as far as like stands out in terms of news, except that um, I thought it was kind of interesting. I read up a little bit on the guy who did the Mega Man 2 box art. See, this guy, he also skates by. So this guy had done a, just a ton of games. Um, What's this general, dude's like name? He, Do you know this he, dude's name? His name is Mark Erickson. Okay. Uh, he's got a website that is conveniently, like, really good call. Um, it's just retrogameart.com. Retrogameart.com. And you should check this guy out because the dude's, the picture he puts of himself is really great. Like, he's got a... He's got he's all business up top and then all party downstairs. He's got a like a white collar shirt on with a a biz, like a suit vest and a red tie tucked into the black suit vest, but it's all with blue jeans. So it's just really kind of a, a good look. For real? No. For real. Um but anyway, he's done a ton of game art. And 
when you see it, the other game already's done, like he did for Space Harrier and a lot of Sega titles. Oh, Space Harrier is cool. So Mega Man Two is is bad, um, but it skates on the fact that it's not Mega Man One. <laughs> In terms, I mean box art only. I don't mean the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Mega Man Two. Oh my god, this guy is so nineties. It's, it's ridiculous. So nineties, man. Um, but his box art, it's kind of cool. Like I saw the Space Harrier one, and you can see his style. It's really across a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, he's done a lot of games that are pretty memorable. I think. Which is crazy. But now he and wants then, to like sell the prints. That's cool. I mean, good for him. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. He's probably gonna be at the Terre Haute Comic Con. <laughs> so keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> well, I just Look saw a, uh, an article recently from a three piece suit. Yeah. Well, it better be three pieces, or we riot. Obviously, <laughs> uh, recently saw an article on Kotaku uh, about this dude named Bob Wakelin, who did a bunch of retro video game art like for Ninja Gaiden uh, and uh, some stuff to title this uh, game called New Zealand Story, which is a really cool, like cartoony uh, style uh, cover Operation Wolf. Uh, like I said, the Ninja Gaiden games, just lots of like just really cool artsy even to the cover for batman uh really cool artsy yeah. um cartoony type stuff and it just really jumps out at you as just like wow this guy does some really solid work and you don't realize that you know one guy can do a ton of games and you just don't realize like there's a man behind this artwork um and or a woman uh, i guess i should we should say but um it's not just like one person doing one thing. Like a lot of people just did this for a living and made really good money doing it. And a lot of memorable stuff, you know, like this Ninja Gaiden, you you can't ever forget it, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, absolutely. I think this guy particularly, you know, Wakeland really, um, his body of work is really, it's impressive anyway. But what I find, I appreciate a lot about his art is like a moment ago when we were talking about, sure. What's the guy's name? Sorry, man, I lost him. Burt Mac. The guy to Mega Man 2. Mr. Mega Man 2. That guy's probably a real person. I hope he doesn't do a podcast. Like Mark Atkin, um, anyway, Mark, Mark Erickson for sure has a podcast. Mark Erickson. Mark Erickson. Sorry, Mark. Um, so, but Wakeland. So, oh, sorry, with Mark. His stuff, you look at it and you're like, he's got a style to it where it lends itself well. And you're like, oh, yeah, like that's this guy's art. It kind of all pieced together. You see the Space Harrier cover, you see Mega Man 2, you're like, yep, same artist. Mark Erickson did bad what dudes. What I like about yeah, he did bad. He dudes. did the bad dudes cover. He did bad. I should have mentioned that. That's probably that's oh, one you love. Oh, the same guy that's who did Parker. Mega Man Two did bad dudes. I don't yep. even. I can't exactly. I can't even right now. Right. It's awesome to catch them how they connect. But to Wakeland's credit, what I love about his stuff is, or what is his old stuff. He's unfortunately passed away, I believe. But um, how versatile the guy was. Like, like we were talking a moment ago, we got Ninja Gaiden. So that artwork is best described as like it looks like a movie poster basically. Um, it's got a ninja and like the front, but behind him is a city on fire, literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, so, um, literally just a city on fire. That just imagine one now put a ninja in front of it, jumping in the air with his knife drawn. That's he's got that one, but he's also got New Zealand Story, which is just a bunch of like cartoon animals firing arrows and shit at each other. Mm-hmm. So and he's got other ones like Operation Wolf, which is going to have a guy with a smoking. Uh, assault rifle and face paint 
a tight crew cut, like just a military looking thing. So he's just all over the place. And what I think is really impressive is that his artwork was enough in demand by the the publishers who were seeing it being applied to games as they came stateside or, or even into the UK with ocean stuff. It was, he was actually so liked that they would have him do the artwork for Japan and almost none of the creative effort went the other way back then. Right. Um, um, the West always got what Japan had translated and it came down to the instruction manuals. It came down to the in-game text and it certainly came down to the box art. We would just get something different or we'd get what Japan had. This guy's stuff was a Western artist getting games coming out in Japan with his art on it, which was just so rare. Nobody in the West was, nobody in Japan was seeing anything out of the West. It was always the other way around. So I found that to be really impressive too. Well said, Master Phil. You've really enlightened me this episode with your knowledge of Japanese culture and names. <laughs> God, I love this. Uh, yes, I love you. you. That does it for this week's episode of the Complete Inbox Podcast. Phil, did you have a good time? I did. Yeah, episode it was great time. three next week. Are you in? Always a pleasure to chat. Yep. Awesome. Uh, you can find us on no Podbean. Can. You can find us on Podbean at the Complete Inbox Podcast. Also, we officially made it to iTunes. Whoop whoop. Uh, you can download us there uh, on the uh, the iTunes Podcast app. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Radio Rich G. Also on Twitch at Radio Rich G. Phil, do you social media? Um, I do, but not well enough. Whatever, fine. Uh, all the shine on me. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can hashtag Phil under my uh, Twitter at Radio yeah. SG. Hashtag Phil with two L's. And then he'll call me on a rotary phone and tell me what it says. <laughs> <laughs> I only answer calls. Well, you do Telegrams. have the greatest Instagram name of all time, which is just pictures I of do, my food. I do, don't I? I just never use it. Yeah. That's true. You can I follow Phil on Instagram it. at pictures of my food. <laughs> That's right. Pictures of my food. I'm just camping on that. So if you also want to buy it because you want to be one, you want to start taking pictures of your food, turn this into some, or uh, you just want to be like me, which is be irritating to people who like to actually take pictures of food. You laugh at them. Um, Either way that uh, it's a good name. So keep that in mind. All right. Until next time, we'll catch you next time on the uh, complete inbox podcast. See you later.